0: Kentucky falls on the road in South Bend to Notre Dame. We break down and analyze Kentucky's 66-62 loss to the Fighting Irish on today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You are Locked on Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, also host of On the Line on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama, also writer for USA Today for various SEC-related things, but on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. Thank you so much for making Locked on Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody that we are free and available on all platforms. All right. So, heartbreak in South Bend, Indiana. The Kentucky Wildcats fell on the road to the Fighting Irish. 66 to 62 was the final score. We're going to break down what I saw in the first half, the second half, and then just overall final thoughts here to wrap things up. So, the first half, as usual, and this has been a theme uh every single time I've done a breakdown of the Wildcats during their uh really weak uh, non-conference pl- slate that I have gotten to uh break down for you guys as usual Kentucky had no aggressive aggression on the uh, defensive end early and Notre Dame kind of did what they wanted they just kind of ran their offense they moved the ball around the perimeter they worked it inside they just kind of did what they wanted now the shots weren't necessarily falling for these teams all day but it was it was interesting to note that once again, Kentucky came out on the defensive end where it wasn't necessarily it wasn't necessarily like they were asleep, which we'll get to much later in the podcast. It wasn't necessarily like they were asleep. They just weren't applying pressure. They were just trying to feel things out trying to see what Notre Dame had. There was a, a couple-minute stretch in the first half where Notre Dame didn't score, where, where Kentucky literally just let them do whatever they want. It's like, okay, this team doesn't shoot well. We know that. Let's take advantage of that by simply not taking advantage of anything. Let's just watch them just not play well uh, on, on the offensive end. I do want to point out that some area immediately, I just want to say, that I was wrong in on Friday, and we were talking about this, is that Ken Palm says... According to his statistics, that Notre Dame is one of the most efficient offenses in the nation, and we don't have to get into uh, we don't have to get into statistical breakdown of of Notre Dame here again because we talked about it uh, on on Friday. But they are a f- one of the most efficient offenses in the country, even though their shooting percentages are not that great. In fact, they are absolutely terrible from three, which we cited uh, just this uh, th- just this past Friday. So. It was it was weird to see that kind of dynamic play out in front of me, just to kind of watch, okay, well, Notre Dame's still not shooting very well, but they're still in this game, and offensively they're they're actually doing some things that are relatively impressive. They were they were getting cuts and different things like that to the basket. Occasionally they would make a three. I mean, they were not, it was not like this was a terrible team. This is not what I thought. It was going. It, this game did not play out the way that I thought it was going to. Notre Dame was way more talented, uh, specifically on the offensive end, than I would have guessed, especially since they're only scoring, what, 68 points a game? I mean, I just didn't expect that much out of this offense. Ty Ty was playing well early. Uh, this was something that I also cited on, on Friday's podcast that I eventually was wrong on, is that I thought this could potentially be a Ty Ty Washington flex game. And man, his confidence eroded down the stretch and we'll talk about that obviously later but he was playing well early I feel like I, I believe he hit his first two shots he was three of four from the field in the uh, in the first half he finished the game three of seven which again we'll, t- we'll talk about later Kentucky was not playing well in transition in the first half and they could not hit anything so this is something that we've talked about before also on this podcast is it's the severe Wheeler and Oscar Sheebway show and Notre Dame did a phenomenal job, I feel like, of shutting those two down in their most important uh, areas of expertise, which was offensive rebounding for Oscar Sheebway and uh, dishing the ball around and, and getting those assists when we're talking about Severe Wheeler. Notre Dame limited Shibwe and in, in Severe Wheeler in their two best statistical categories, and it really hurt Kentucky's offense all day. Also, the fact that they couldn't knock down anything, which we'll, we'll get to later. But specifically in transition, whether it was Wheeler probing uh, inside, whether it was Kentucky trying to make a three, Kentucky was not running well uh, in transition. They only had six fast break points on the entire night, uh, which is not good at all. To only have uh, just only have a couple of buckets and fa- on, on the fast break when I I've, I feel like there were multiple opportunities in this game for Kentucky to make a shot down. Notre Dame had a really good ball movement in the first half. Kentucky would either overcommit or undercommit on screens and even false action which Notre Dame ran on both sides of the uh, of the wing. So Notre Dame uh interestingly i don't know if this is this is, i don't think this is unique to them but i noticed that when kentucky would set screens often it would be a hard screen and then there would be a cut to the basket by the screener but with notre dame they would only set hard screens off ball uh which which means they would uh whenever they would run their offense whenever they would try and run a play they would set hard screens with players that were not that that didn't have the ball and they would often set screens away from the ball and they would be hard screens meaning the screener would set it he would be firm and then he wouldn't move until the player got around him that he was screening for and then he would make a movement on the offense and typically honestly when i saw it it didn't feel like there was a, a certain direction for the screener to go it felt like he was just kind of okay now your job's done and we'll just let the rest of the play develop but point being they'd run hard screens off ball and whenever they ran screens on ball they would they would run this type of false action where the screener wouldn't actually set anything he would just kind of use his body as a barrier in a in a non-screen type of way and he would either cut to the basket or cut to a side of the court where there could be uh there could be options where the ball carrier or the uh the, the the guy with the ball would be able to make a decision do i take it downhill now that i have this uh this open lane a little bit, or do I dish it off to uh, the guy that just set a screen for me, so to speak, and do I let him potentially knock down a shot? And Kentucky would either overcommit, which means they would overcommit to the uh, to the guy with the actual ball, and they would leave the the false action open, and that would uh, that would hurt them on 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 the way to the basket, or they would undercommit which means they would focus more on the guy setting the screen. And Severe Wheeler got caught underneath this a couple of times and it let the guy with the ball uh, knock down a couple of shots. And it was just one way or another. Kentucky was, uh, was just really struggling with that false action, really for what felt like the entire game. But they really struggled uh, in this first half specifically, I feel like, on that false action. It was frustrating to watch as a fan. It's like, okay, all you got to do is run your man-to-man, right, which, which Kentucky was doing often in this in this game. And switch. That's all you've got to do is just switch. You gotta fight through the screen and switch. It's not that difficult. Let's not get aggressive. Just commit to your guy and, and, and play defense. But Kentucky did not do that very well uh, in the first half. They Kentucky also, talking about the Wildcats running man to man, Notre Dame also ran man to man on the end on their on the defensive end. And man, it frustrated Kentucky. I mean, if they could not get inside. Kentucky was really struggling in this game, and I've talked about how Ty Ty Washington creates very well in isolation. Look, the looks that he got in this game—I think almost all of them, if not all of them—I'd have to go back and look at every single specific instance, but almost all of them, he he had to come off some uh, some type of action or some type of uh, some type of pass or something like that. It was it was not him creating on his own. He really really struggled. Only had seven points uh, in this game, but Kentucky. Uh, could not get into the paint easily in this game and so against that Notre Dame man-to-man it felt like there was just it was just a huge struggle on the offensive end for Kentucky but they when they did get into the paint they were they were very successful uh, especially whenever the ball was going to Oscar Shebae Shebae finished with 25 points on the on the game was 11 of 14 from the floor seven rebounds one assist he was the uh, the game's leading scorer Uh, and yeah like I just said Kentucky very often with Washington and Wheeler tried to probe, which they would try and get to the elbow of the free throw line, and then they would immediately look to have some type of bounce pass inside the sheebway. and they would just all back off and let him go to work, and often at it, it 11 times actually it resulted, well not 11 times, very often it resulted Uh, in a a bucket whether it be a dunk or whether it be uh, just a hook shot or something like that Shibway very very good hands and Kentucky thrives whenever their offense is revolving around him but they also in order to have a game where they score 75 to 80 points a game they need to be knocking down some of their threes and in the first half wouldn't you know it Kentucky made no threes they were 0 of 10 from, uh, from three-point land, and here's an interesting note. So Kentucky entered this game 339th of 338 Division I teams and percentage of shots coming from three-point range. They were 193rd in three-point shooting percentage. They're shooting about 30.2% on the year. They missed their first 13 three-point attempts on Saturday. Kentucky did. They made just two of 19 uh, in the game and they were 0-10 in the first half. And it was not like Notre Dame was was uh, just absolutely hounding them on the defensive end. I do want to say the, the man-to-man for Kentucky or against Kentucky for Notre Dame, just it absolutely did work. It worked very well. Um, but it was not like every single shot that Kentucky took was contested. There were multiple times where an open shot just simply did not go down for the Wildcats. Just very frustrating basketball to watch. So if you're going to go on the road and you're going to beat a team that is, uh, that is either somewhere around your talent level or slightly more talented than you, you are going to need to knock down at least uh, the, the percentage of threes that you're hitting on the year. So in that first half, if Kentucky makes three of their 10 threes that they took, which would be about average for them on the season, they would be in a much better spot in the second half. Where they were not where late, they wouldn't have to be playing not to lose. They could run their offense and then they could really focus up on the de- defensive end, which I feel like was a huge uh, issue uh, from an energy standpoint late in that game, which again, we'll get to later on. But man, if you're going to if you're going to take threes, which Kentucky, like I just said, they don't at all. uh but but o of ten from from three in the first half is just simply unacceptable. It was really, really disappointing uh in the first half and it, it kind of after the uh the end of the first half it kind of had that vibe it was like oh no uh Kentucky is is not shooting well today and it's not going to go well and it uh, certainly did not and I love how the broadcasters for ESPN were just like yeah this is a much better uh Kentucky team in terms of shooting the basketball and they've gotten all these transfers and now they can shoot threes and they can run and it's the best offense since 2015 and then this performance happened Just really disappointing uh, all around from the Kentucky Wildcats in the first half. We're going to talk about what happened in the second half here in just a second. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Prize Picks. Bowl season is here for Kentucky fans. I've been telling you about Prize Picks, and if you still haven't signed up, what are you waiting for? In addition to the college football action, Prize Picks makes college basketball more exciting. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. They are the leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football and basketball props than anyone in the world, and they offer all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major players you might not have ever even heard of. PrizePix offers any prop you can think of. In basketball, you can play points, rebounds, assists, Threes made and more. Do not attempt to uh, to do anything surrounding threes made with Kentucky because that could be to your downfall. All of the users that make a deposit using promo code LOCKED ON will receive a 100% instant deposit matchup to 100 dollars Again, just be sure to use promo code LOCKED ON. Prize Picks also allows mixed sport entries, which means you can take the over on Embiid combined with the under on Aaron Rodgers in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your App Store and download the app today. PrizePicks, daily fantasy made easy. All right, so continuing along here, thanks so much again for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every day. Make sure to check out the ultimate college football playoff preview 2021. Local experts, betting advice, and draft analysis. The most comprehensive college football playoff preview begins this Friday. All right, so second half impressions from Kentucky 66-62 to 62 loss to the Notre Dame fighting Irish Prentice Hub, who is a, uh, who is a backup guard, for the, uh, for the fighting Irish. Only had two points, three rebounds, two, two assists uh, on the day and picked up uh, a few fouls. He was not necessarily uh, impressive on the offensive end. But let me tell you what will not show up in the stat sheet that he did that was just incredibly impressive, which was play defense against Kentucky's two guards and Severe Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington. He was incredibly aggressive uh, in man-to-man situations on the defensive end of the floor, and it threw Tai Tai off. And this is something that I was talking about earlier: is Tai Tai started the game three of four from the field, but uh, his confidence eroded as the uh, as the game went on. He had three open looks in the second half, and missed all of them. And they were, uh, they were. uh, I believe two of them were at least two of them were were open looks. The first one was off a screen. Uh, It was on the left elbow of the free throw line, and then the second one was a kick out from Wheeler to the left corner uh, for for a Washington three that was wide open, and uh, Washington couldn't knock either of them down. And uh, the the first one off a screen, he was being hounded by uh, by Apprentice on that on the uh, on the possession. And by the time he got around the Sheboy screen, I mean, Prentice was right there. Uh, he was coming at him. Now, it was an open look, but Washington just missed the entire rim. Like, he just missed it. And uh, there, would be, there would be times later on in the game where Washington could have taken a shot, and Prentice was there, and he was hounding him, and, uh, and Washington would give it up. He wouldn't he wouldn't take any shots. He wouldn't try and work on Prentice. It was really impressive what uh, what Hub was able to do uh, the entire game on both of Kentucky's guards, I want to paint. I want to uh, paint a picture for you guys. So it's if you didn't see this, it's 18-04 left in the second half, and Blake Wesley, Notre Dame player, is a step behind the free throw line, guarding Wheeler, who is a step behind the three point line, essentially at the top of the uh, of the left wings. There is a massive amount of distance between Wheeler and and Wesley and this is something that Notre Dame did often in the second half because Kentucky just simply wasn't making their threes they backed off like severely slacked off and uh, Wheeler could have taken just a wide open three any other player I feel like even a center would have considered popping a shot there uh it was just so open and Wheeler wouldn't take it and there was a uh I believe there was a couple other times where, where it wasn't just Wheeler. There were a couple of Kentucky players where they were just wide open, like guards, like guys like Brooks that could have taken a shot, or, uh, or Ty-Ty could have taken a shot, and Kentucky just lost confidence after shooting 0 of 10 from 3 in the first half. Wheeler, by the way, finished the game 0 of 5 and 0 of 2 from 3. 17 minutes and 55 seconds left in the in the second half same possession Kentucky has three guards spaced out beyond the three-point line at the top of the right and top of the left wings and Wheeler deeper on the uh, on the left wing closer to the left corner Notre Dame was sagged off so far back that all of their players were inside the arc watching the paint where Keon Brooks was driving uh and Shebway was getting mauled mauled uh mauled inside but any of those three guards could have caught a kick-out three, and they would have been open for days. And this happened, again, a, cu- a couple different times in the second half where Notre Dame made an adjustment. They're like, okay, you know what? We're staying man-to-man, and we're just going to play inside the arc, and we're going to see if Kentucky can beat us. And a couple of possessions, they switched to a 2-3 zone. I don't know why, considering uh, Kentucky was uh, Kentucky was just really struggling from from shooting from anywhere, uh, even in the uh, even in the paint. Uh, against the uh, against the fighting Irish, but you know what? They did, and then they went back to their man-to-man, and c- again, Kentucky really, uh, really struggled with it. Shebway got lost on defense several times in the second half. They would bring Paul Atkinson, uh, number 20 for Notre Dame. He's a forward. They would bring him out to the top of the uh, of the perimeter after moving the ball around, to sh- and then Shebway would follow because Kentucky was in man-to-man, and so it would be Paul Atkinson and Shebway at the top of the key, uh, and that would leave the uh, the paint wide open. Everybody would be way backed off the paint. Everybody would be outside the line. It would be uh, playing essentially at the half-court line, almost, it felt like at times. And then Notre Dame would make a, a strong cut to the basket, and uh, and there would just be a wide open layup. And twice, on back-to-back possessions, Kentucky just simply had to foul, because they would bring Shibway out as like, oh, it's open. It's just an easy cut. It's an easy pass. Uh, and, and, and Kentucky got beat on it a couple of different times in the uh, in the second half it was really really frustrating uh, let's see here Notre Dame was mu- a much better team in my opinion on the fast break while they didn't knock down their shots again neither did Kentucky but Kentucky or Notre Dame excuse me while they didn't knock down their shots they at least got open looks in transition that I feel like were better than Kentucky's and whenever they they whenever they did knock down the shots I mean it was just it was just killer because Kentucky was not content uh, with with running in this game even though Kentucky's one of the uh, more fast-paced teams in college basketball it was weird to see this game play out the, the way it did I just like Notre Dame took control of the pace and just and Kentucky didn't look like they were com- comfortable doing much of anything and is some some of the things that they weren't comfortable with doing were things that they had done really well uh, up until this point in the uh, in the season Switching was the adjustment made by Cal in response to bringing Sheebway out to the top for cuts. So they, they switched to zone, and they would switch uh, after uh, Cal got enough of the backdoor cuts to the basket, which led to three different threes. Uh, I believe two of them were from uh, Blake Wesley, the freshman for Notre Dame. And it was switches where Sheebway was having to guard out on the top. Uh, and Wesley made one of the two threes that he shot. And the uh, the other player, I believe, missed his against Chibwe as well. At seven minutes and 52 seconds left in the uh, in the second half, he uh, Chibwe got lost on a switch, and it left another three wide open by uh, by Wurtz, Notre Dame player, at the top. Just just got lost. I, to, to be honest with you, uh, I believe it was Atkinson that um, that Sheboy should have switched onto on that given play and Shibwe started looking left, even though Atkinson or whoever it was started to go right, and it was very clear. It's like, okay, that's the guy that you started with, you switch, and now that's the guy you end up with, and Shibwe just got lost, absolutely lost, and it left words open uh, for, for, for 3. Brooks played a decent game. I do not like some of the shots that he took, um, but he finished 5 of 10 from the field, 12 points, 7 rebounds, uh, was 2 of 4 from the free throw line, had a steal and a block as well, Uh, but I think there were a couple of times there was one in the first half and there was one in the second half where I meant to mark it it's like okay I really don't like that shot selection like I really don't like that shot selection but overall I didn't think Brooks uh, killed uh, Kentucky in this game but it was it was not I did not like some of the the uh, decisions that he made Notre Dame again like I mentioned earlier often wouldn't set hard screens on they uh, on the ball they would set hard screens off and they would run false action and look to get downhill while watching their second option. This killed Kentucky late. uh, Whenever Kentucky really started, I feel like, to just kind of lull themselves to sleep on uh, on defense. We saw it multiple times down the stretch in the last three or four minutes of the game where Kentucky built like a four or five-point lead, and then they just fell asleep on the defensive end. Like I said, at the beginning of the game, it was not it was not the intensity that was the issue or the energy but in, in late in this game it looked like their their energy had been spent it was just absolutely gone uh, there were a couple of easy cuts to the basket late that were extremely costly Grady had an open look with 119 to go and it rimmed out and uh, then uh, Wesley hit that mid-range jumper and then tie tie with about 11 seconds to go ran all the way down the court what w- with what looked like no no intention of doing anything he was just kind of panicking uh it was just a freshman mistake and he put up a shot that didn't even have a chance and uh that was your ball game uh and that's the way that it ended it was just a couple of uh defensive miscommunications for Kentucky where they just kind of fell asleep and uh just poor decisions on the offensive end and mistakes and uh missed opportunities uh late in this game uh, for the Wildcats, and that that's what cost them, and that's uh, it's just uh, just disappointing the way that the game ended, and I don't feel great after seeing that. I don't feel great about these final two games of non-con play, and I do not feel good about SEC play. Uh, one, uh, one more thing before we move on here, and we're going to talk about just what what everything looks like for Kentucky from here on out. I'm going to give some thoughts on this this team. Uh, whether, w- w- how they operate. I'm just going to give some thoughts, but one more thing here. Notre Dame, this is something that we talked about on Friday. They don't rotate players a lot. They only use seven players against Kentucky, and they beat them. And you don't see that very often, at least I don't think, in college basketball where you have a seven-man rotation <laughs> and you win. Uh, again, talking about Kentucky losing intensity on the defensive end, Notre Dame didn't lose it this entire game. They really wanted this one. Uh, I think it was apparent from the get-go. Props to the Fighting Irish for for picking this win up. Uh, but yeah, Kentucky just kind of lost all desire, it felt like, at the end there. And then panicked whenever things got really, really tight. So we're going to talk about what the uh, future of this season looks like. Just going to give my thoughts on where this program stands now that they played yet another legitimate opponent, I feel like, in just a second. But before we do that want to tell you guys about our friends at On Location. Let's talk for a minute about kicking things up a notch for the big game, the grand stage, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away, and On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package to the big game. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with college stars turned NFL legends Troy Aikman, Marcus Allen, Tim Brown, and more. Plus accommodations at five-star LA hotels and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocatione.x.p.com slash s.b.56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocatione.x.p.com slash s.b.56 or search Super Bowl on location today's show also brought to you by built bar this holiday season grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar built bar filled with so much holiday goodness rich with decadent flavor covered in chocolate but it's amazingly low in calories sugar net carbs and fat and extremely high in protein so you get the best of both worlds both delicious and extremely healthy and they've got so many different flavors for you to choose from you could uh, you could get chocolate uh, brownie you could get double chocolate cookies and cream peanut butter brownie mint brownie raspberry cherry they've got some fantastic flavors here for you uh, during the holiday season built bar gives you that extra fuel and you need to uh, bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers you want to cozy up with something warm? Well, here's a little holiday secret. You can dip your uh, built bar, for instance, you could get the cookies and cream built bar. Best decision you could ever make this year, and you could dip it in a hot cup of cocoa. You could get some hot chocolate, dip it in, absolutely fantastic. You could me- let it melt a little, give that uh, give that beverage a little bit of that built bar flavor, and then also you'll have a little bit of a melty melty uh, built bar to go with it. Absolutely fantastic with the uh, cookies and cream flavor. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order this holiday season. Again, pre-use promo code LOCK15. For fifteen percent off at built.com. All right. So wrapping up here again, really appreciate you guys making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. So Kentucky obviously losing to Notre Dame uh, was really disappointing, and this is something that I that I emphasized on Friday's show. Is I care, I could not care less about the rivalry, so to speak, about uh, between Notre Dame and Kentucky after they played for for a couple years in a row now. That was not what I was concerned about heading into this matchup. What I was concerned about was was getting a resume-building win, right? This is something that Kentucky desperately needs right now after playing a non-conference schedule that is about as weak as weak can get, especially for a program like Kentucky. Mentioned it on Friday, Kentucky's strength of schedule, 350th out of 358 division one teams right now after they lost it actually moved up a little bit Uh, they are now 337th in strength of schedule after losing to Notre Dame by four and questions I have so many different questions about why the schedule was made this way why was Kentucky given a seven-game stretch between Duke and And Notre Dame and Ohio State and Louisville after that Notre Dame game, why were they given a stretch where they played some of the worst teams Division I has to offer? They played, let me count it up, Robert Morris, Mount St. Mary's, Central Michigan, Southern, Albany, all of those teams are 288th or worst in the the Ken Palm rankings. That's what Kentucky played against. Their best win of the season so far is against Ohio, who's seven and two right now and is one hundred and fourth in the Ken Palm rankings. Why was the schedule set up this way? Where you open the year with an opponent like Duke, who looks legit, by the way. And it's like, okay, well, now that we've gotten that experience, we can kind of adjust as non-conference play goes on here. And that's something I've talked about. I was like, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing that Kentucky has these seven games to really figure things out before they play Notre Dame, Ohio State, Louisville, and they get into the thick of things in the SEC. But as it turns out, one game against Duke was not enough because you could, if you had... The, the worst team, I feel like, in the SEC, you probably could have gone 7-0, and 6-1 over this course of games between November 12th and December 7th before you played Notre Dame. There was no, there was no benefit to Kentucky playing such a weak non-conference schedule uh, before that Notre Dame game. It was, there's, no, there's no reason why. If you are trying to rebuild after what was a very disappointing year last season, if you're trying to, to not necessarily rebuild, I guess I don't think that's the right word, just to readjust things, why would you do this to yourself in non-conference play? If you've got the talent coming in, why wouldn't you test them early before, letting them, before throwing them into the fire? And you cannot tell me that that game against Duke served as, as the test for, for literally a month before they played their next legitimate opponent that is inexcusable that is on the uh, schedule makers that is on the people that make the, the decisions I don't know who it is I'm just saying this was a bad way to set up your non-conference schedule knowing that you were trying to go into this year become to become tougher than you were last season you're not just gonna fly by this entire year without playing anybody why wouldn't you set yourself up well early by playing some of those difficult opponents out of conference so that you understand now what you're getting into because you have what what did Kentucky lack last year they didn't have guys that could shoot the basketball they've got that this year now why they aren't utilizing some of that more I don't understand why they aren't utilizing some of these players off the bench I don't understand by the way where was Damian Collins where was he in this game he got 5 minutes, didn't take a shot, didn't do anything. Where was Damian Collins? Do not understand the reason to not play him at all. It's just there was there's been some really confusing decisions made by this Kentucky team and uh, and before the season even started. It just it just it's bewildering to me the way that they've gone about some of the things. And guess what? You've got 7 more days now where you can you can you can rest. You can work now, you can adjust after what was just an embarrassing loss at Notre Dame, and you can now go and play Ohio State on a neutral site. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now, if you see anything that was close to the product that Kentucky put out this weekend against Notre Dame, they are not going to beat Ohio State. In fact, they may lose by double digits. It could get ugly, and it could get ugly against Louisville. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know how they're going to survive SEC play right now. If you can't beat a team on a seven-man rotation that's shooting just an awful percentage from three, then how are you going to survive against the LSUs, the Auburns, the Alabamas of the world? How are you going to do that? This is really not looking good for Kentucky right now. Really not looking good for the Wildcats. I'm just really concerned uh, about the way that this, uh, this season could pan out after seeing what was just, man. It's not every day you see a team go 2 of 19, and that may be the positive way to look at this, right? It's like you're, not every day you're going to go out there and shoot the way that Kentucky did. Not every day you're going to go out and shoot 2 of 19 from 3. So I hope that they adjust, that they make some of these, uh, some of these rotation uh, issues go away, and they figure out how to operate an offense without giving the ball to Oscar Shibwe every possession down the floor. All right, so that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky on tomorrow's show. We're going to talk about Tavion Robinson, uh, Virginia, Trek, uh, Virginia Tech wide receiver. He transferred to the Wildcats uh, this, uh, this past weekend. We're going to talk about what he brings to the table. Also, thoughts and prayers to everybody that was affected by the tornadoes uh, in Kentucky over this past weekend. It just breaks your heart to see things like that happen. So just thoughts and prayers to everybody that was affected uh, during those uh, tornadoes, really praying for you guys. Uh, it's a really rough time right now uh, in the state of Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnUK. You can follow me on Twitter at Daw Pound. against Again, Tavion Robinson, a breakdown of him, coming tomorrow on the, uh, on the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. That's going to do it for today, y'all. Go Wildcats, and God bless.